Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. We are getting close to the primary season, and so it gets more and more difficult to talk about issues without uh, uh, appearing to favor one candidate or another. So we sort of get away from election issues during this period of time. Uh, We'll get back to that as soon as the primary is over. But this week, we are talking about education and the cost of education. And no better person to talk to than a frequent guest on our program in the past, and that would be Dr. Scott Rawls, who currently serves as president of Wake Tech Community College. He has a long history of service in North Carolina. In fact, he was president of the North Carolina Community College System from 2008 to 2015. And before that, he was uh, the head of the president of Craven Community College in Newburn from 2002 to 2008. So, uh, Scott, welcome to the program. Delighted to have you back. Thank you, Don. It's always good to be with you. Well, you know, one of the things that's going on in uh, in North Carolina is we are con- continuing to add quite a number of new jobs, which I suspect puts a pressure on the community college to, the system to train those. But also it uh, uh, really brings to the forefront how big a labor supply problem we have in North Carolina already. And, we, and now we're adding so many new jobs that will be competitive. So uh, how do we get out of this situation where so many people are looking to add to their staff? We, and our company and our, our company is certainly a moderate sized company, but we've got, um, if we really were fully staffed, they probably have 35 openings. Uh, as a matter of fact, we probably have about 12 that are critical to fill, but filling jobs right now is tough. Yeah, and in some ways, it's a good problem to have. You'd rather be have that challenge than to have the other challenge and not have enough jobs. Uh, and, and certain parts of our states do have, the state does have that challenge, so we're, we're sensitive to that. But certainly in the core of the state here in the Triangle region, uh, there everybody has job openings and you know, it's a boom time in North Carolina. You can see, you know, just our state being ranked, you know, number one for business. Um, just last week, uh, our region was ranked uh, the number two e- uh, best performing city for economic development here in Raleigh. Um, so we're doing well in terms of job creation, but that also means we have to, you know, we have to keep our system of filling those jobs moving forward or, you know, people, companies will not add uh, positions here, bring things to North Carolina. So that's what we're really working on within the community college system. I think we're the most job-focused form of education that exists, and we're we're working collaboratively. We're working within our own communities um, to scale and expand. One of the things we know is that we have to. We're seeing the demand across the board. Something you'll hear this year is there's a particular effort within the community colleges to to scale up and to expand in five kind of job sector areas. We're, we're calling this effort Propel NC. We know we can't do everything at once, but we see five crucial sector areas where the jobs are already there um, or the jobs have already been announced, like engineering technology. That's all the advanced manufacturing, biopharma in this region, uh, first responders and public safety, uh, skilled trades. Uh, huge needs there in transportation areas, healthcare, uh, nursing, imaging, all the all the areas that are required in terms of hospitals and other allied health 
uh, as well as information technology. So those five sectors are real goals for us. We're hoping that um, we might see some increases in our budget. We have an advocacy called Propel NC that would allow us primarily to hire new new teachers so we can expand the number, the capacity in those key areas because the jobs are here and the jobs have been announced and the, it's just a matter of can we uh, keep the, the talent pipeline moving forward. Well, North Carolina appears from all the things we've seen to be headed for uh, more growth. We've already, uh, you know, we've already had great growth the last five or six years. And as you said, the General Assembly has, over the last 10 years, uh, restructured in a way that makes it very favorable for companies to come in. That means it's very favorable for new job openings. Absolutely. And you can see those, you can see examples of how North Carolina is booming. Um, I was just doing back of the napkin calculations recently. So if you take a essentially a one-hour drive between Liberty where Toyota is building their massive new facility into Wake County, into Holly Springs, where Fujifilm Dyson Biotechnologies is building the largest biopharma uh, facility in North America, or Amgen is also building, and CSL Securus is expanding. If you just take about eight to 10 companies who have announced between Liberty and through Wolfspeed and through in Siler City, up through Venfast and Montcure into Wake County and Holly Springs, that's about $22 million, $22 billion in investment and 24,000 employees that they have announced that they'll hire. And we're working with all those companies in the community colleges. But that's just that's just a hand, that's less than a dozen companies in a one hour drive in North Carolina. So when you add all the skilled trades needs to build facilities, to build the things that are going on to maintain, when you add the hospital needs in terms of nursing and imaging, uh, the public safety needs in terms of law enforcement and fire, and community colleges, we're the, you know, we're the road through which those opportunities, people go into those roles. And so, as I mentioned before, it's a great problem to have, um, but it's a challenge we all have to step up to, and it's certainly the challenge for the community colleges. That's why, for us, this, Propel NC proposals key for us because we've got to expand in just those areas. We have to we have to hire the people to, to train the people who are going to work in all those places. Well, it's interesting how North Carolina has reinvented itself. A lot of states would be very envious of that because, for example, Michigan has never really gotten over the loss of so many jobs in the automotive sector. But we have gone from a furniture cigarette and textile economy uh, to uh, a much more high-tech form. Uh, manufacturing jobs in textiles have basically kind of disappeared. There's still some textile companies, but not nearly as dependent on the total economy as it wants. Same is true with cigarette manufacturing and to some degree the furniture manufacturing. I credit the community college system of North Carolina as being the savior of all that because uh, there was a lot of jobs lost during that time and we had yeah. to retrain. We've definitely played a role. There's no doubt about that. And in fact, just as an example, last weekend, there was an article in the Boston Globe and the headline of the Globe was, there's a, you know, a looming threat to Boston's dominance in biotechnology and talking about North Carolina, particularly our area of the research triangle, and they made reference to all the different things that North Carolina had going for it relative to Boston cost and 
you know, research and things like that. But at the end of the article noted that what we have that others don't have is an education system and a workforce training system that is targeted and has been developed. And, you know, because when you look at some of these big biopharma facilities, uh, you know, they may hire like 800 people, but about 200 to 250 will be scientists and engineers. But the vast majority will be highly skilled uh, technicians that are working in clean room environments, um, never touching any kind of pharmaceutical, but they have to they have to make sure the, the drugs get produced. And so, you know, we've been developing those capacities um, for, for several years now. So it's not like we just started in these areas. That's the good news for North Carolina. We, we've been working for, for areas like biotech and other things in the high-tech areas for 20 years. And that's why companies are coming here. And now we're ranked as the number one biopharma region in the, in the country uh, by JLL. So, but we want to keep that train going. Uh, there are many more people who need opportunities. Uh, we keep it's not, and it's just not the new jobs. It's the the opportunities that come from that growth. It's the skilled trades workers. It's the electricians. So we talked about you know EV, and we're building battery plants and car plants like Venfast and Toyota. But you're also going to see a huge you know just ever growing need for electricians and building automation and other forms of skilled tradesmen that we train at our community colleges and. And as we get bigger, you know, our healthcare needs get bigger. And, you know, the doctors may not come through the community colleges, but most of the nurses do. And the, the radiographer technicians and sonographers and all the different areas. So, yeah, we're, we're kind of the gateway for all those job opportunities and expansions that are taking place. Well, just as a citizen, the, one of the things I'm most proud of is seeing the cooperation between the community college system and uh, the uh, University of North Carolina system, uh, there's a great respect on both ways. Absolutely. And they are learning every day ways to work together to the benefit of both. It's a, I think it's also a secret strength for North Carolina. There is a, there is between, all, between the sectors of education, there has been this way, Carolina way, I, I like to think of it as our working together. I actually use that as an example just this week, I was with a group of economic developers and some site selection consultants. And I used an example of that, that, um, you know, we were at one of our campuses at our, our Research Triangle Park campus where we have an early college high school that, and I mentioned, you know, one of our strengths, again, is biotechnology, but the their public school students in a public school on a community college campus accessing community college programs, but then you can drive to NC State University, where there's one of the best training centers for biotech in the country called the BTEC, the Biotech uh, Training and Education Center. And we operate one floor of that to train the technicians. So you have a community college training space on a university campus. And, and we have co-locations of universities on our campus, like East Carolina University, where you can complete their, their you know, technical degrees here. So there's this remarkable collegiality and cooperation. And when companies see that, employers see that, um, that's a that's a secret strength. That's something that that Boston Globe article is noting. Um, and I, I do think that is, that's been the North Carolina way uh, for us. And there's no power play here. That's, that's what I'm so proud of is there's mutual cooperation and, and uh, both uh, all three uh, of the educational 
elements seem to want to work together and say, wait a minute, uh, we don't want to get in your space. We want to augment your space. Yeah, it clear, you know, the public schools are important because they're the feeders for all of us. Um, the universities, I mean, for I keep talking about biotechnology because it's key to us here, but just using that as an example, I mean, it takes the scientists and the engineers that are coming out of NC State, and Chapel Hill and A&T and, you know, all the great universities we have. And it takes the technicians that are coming through the community colleges. When you put it all together, it's, you know, it's, it's like a puzzle. The puzzle's not complete without all the pieces and you need all the pieces. So it's not, a, it's, you know, it's not so much which piece is more important than the other when it comes to attracting and retaining jobs. It's having all the pieces and have it fit together in something that, that looks coherent. Dr. Scott Rawls is our guest. He, at this present moment, is president of Wake Tech Community College, which has some 74,000 adult, uh, adults annually involved. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Wake Tech, but we're also going to talk about the other roles that the community college systems across the state of North Carolina uh, play in this whole uh, economic development cycle that we're going through here in North Carolina. And we'll do that right after we take time out for these messages. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. This forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Plant puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Here's a fun fact for you. The average chameleon can point their eyes in two different directions. On the other hand, the average human can't. So unless you're a chameleon, there's absolutely no way you can focus on texting and driving at the same time. So don't do it, unless you're a chameleon. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is the president of Wake Tech Community College, Dr. Scott Rawls, who uh, in one of his previous lives also served as the president of the North Carolina Community College System. And uh, we had Scott on the program numerous times. Uh, interesting work that they're doing uh, in cooperation with other uh, community colleges across the state. Uh, and, and they're what I, I believe there's 56. Is that correct? 58. 58. 58. Okay. Called the great 58. Well, I was close. I was close. Yeah. Close enough for yeah. government. Sometimes right. we give credit for close. Sometimes <laughs> we don't. <laughs> right. Uh, one of the things that is, uh, of course, of concern to almost all parents, and that is the cost of education. Uh, tuition at all the schools are going up. Uh, the private schools are going up. The public schools are going up. North Carolina's uh, in-state tuition on its uh, 
public uh, campuses is still a bargain compared to most states, but it's still high and it's still going up and probably will continue to rise. Uh, so cost is very important. So how does the community college system help parents uh, and families handle this increasing cost of education? Well, and with the thanks and the help of our state uh, and our funders, General Assembly, you know, keeping that cost low, and it has been low. I mean, so we are $76 a credit hour. Fees are very low. Uh, we, we at Wake Tech and other places have explored ways of keeping books low. So, you know, you can go to Wake Tech, take maximum number of hours, and with the fees and the books, it's less than $3,000 a semester. Um, everything thrown in to go as long as you want. So, yeah, we're we're keeping it low in North Carolina, particularly through our community colleges. But it is very true that this is one of the biggest challenges that higher ed is seeing. And you're seeing people doubt higher ed now because, of, you know, actually, you know, the data shows that about a decade ago, 98 percent of parents felt like their kids should go on to a college degree, a four year degree. And today those numbers are only 50 percent. And part of the reason for that is the cost of education has gone up so much extensively that people doubt what comes out on the other side that 10 years later, you know, you're paying debt and you're not, you know, sometimes in jobs that you're not making enough money to pay off that debt. I'll tell you one of the things I'm very proud of for Wake Tech, and you can see this in our community colleges, um, at Georgetown University, they started ranking community college, I'm sorry, ranking all colleges and universities in the United States on return on investment, uh, 10 years after graduation, 20 years after graduation, 30 years. And so you can look at every college university in the, in the country. If you look at Wake Tech, one of the 58 community colleges, we rank in the top 20% of all colleges and universities in the United States in return on investment for graduates after 10 years, and the top 5% in North Carolina. And you'll see other community colleges are in that same um, area that is unexpected for a lot of people, that there would be so much return on investment. And that's for a couple of reasons. One is which we're really relevant to jobs, really relevant to opportunities. So you can earn money uh, you know, 10 years down the road as an electrician or whatever it may be, but you don't spend an arm and a leg for that to happen. I mean, nobody should ever go into debt to go to a community college. And we're proud of that. Uh, we're proud that that we're efficient we keep those costs low it's challenging sometimes but for us to fulfill our purpose of higher education for anybody who wants it it's important that we you know keep our costs low but make sure that the value is very high and that's something you can see in the research and the data that shows our return on investment is very high i'm just guessing but i would also assume that another reason that that number of parents who think a four-year degree is necessary has come down is the fact that the salaries paid to those skilled job professions that you teach has continued to rise, and those folks are making good income. Absolutely. And, you know, when you have shortages, I mentioned electricians. Um, it's an area of big focus for us because, you know, it's just right before COVID, um, the numbers showed, you know, 71, over 70% of the electricians, red, licensed electricians in North Carolina were above the age of 50. You know, you, you find yourself sitting around waiting all day for someone to come to repair something, to maintain something in your home, to, to fix something. Uh, that's because there's 
the supply and demand. And when there's not enough supply and then the demand is so high, you get paid well. So you're seeing that and that's what's happening. And we're that's why for us expanding in these areas is so important. You know, because you, you take an area like electricians, um, even before what we're going to see in the not too distant future, when we're becoming more electrified for different reasons, uh, our automobiles, um, areas like 5G in terms of uh, telecommunications or you know, different types of things like the building I'm in has solar panels all on the top. That It takes electricians to be able and other skilled tradesmen to maintain these advances and to repair them. And so, you know, we need many more of those people, just like we need more nurses and people in the hospitals and more people working at the facilities that are coming into North Carolina. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to do that. For us, the challenge is, you know, to train someone to do that. You need someone who's highly skilled that you have to hire in a world where there's a lot of demand for those positions. And so that's why it can sometimes be a, a little bit challenging, but it's important for us to to be able to expand these programs because that's the that's the way we're going to grow these opportunities in North Carolina. I was very shocked. I was in a university bookstore, not uh, I guess three, maybe two or three years ago, and I started looking at the price of textbooks. Yeah, and they're they're huge. And uh, uh, the other thought that I had about them is, in many cases, that textbook is maybe out of date as we're making progress. And new discoveries in almost every field, that textbook may be out of date in three or four years. Are we moving away from textbooks and to that same information online, which would reduce costs? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, there are efforts here at our college and other places to do what's called OER, where you create your own materials, um, exploring, you know, or you know, using more electronic resources or virtual resources um, at our college, every one of our courses, whether it's an online course or not, is connected to a learning management system, an LMS. So you're accessing materials digitally, even if you are in a classroom-based program, which which helps in that process. And you know, working with publishers and bookstores, we have a model that we're piloting here at our college which uh, we call Eagle Advantage, which is essentially rather than students pay the cost of a textbook, everybody uh, pays, they, they have the option to opt out, but if you don't opt out, you pay a flat fee. And and we do that so for a couple of reasons. One is to reduce the cost of textbooks, which we estimate is about 30% reduction on average for students in doing that. Also, we want to make sure that you get your materials the first day. What you'll see sometimes is the cost of textbooks for some students causes them to attempt to get by without buying the the textbook and they fall behind and they don't do well. And so cost of textbooks can be a real barrier to students um, moving forward. And so we're trying different ways to, to control that. That's interesting because, uh, as I said, uh, I was just shocked at some of the prices of some of the books. Are the books at the high school level, are they going up equally high, the textbooks that serve high school students? Well, I think one of the things you're seeing in high schools more and more is they're moving away from books. So, you know, and that's why the same thing has to happen in colleges and universities. You know, for a lot of students in high schools, and a lot of our high schools now 
they, you know, they're using all electronic materials and not so much printed materials. Um, and you know, we're move. I think higher ed is moving that direction too, but perhaps not as fast in some cases of some of our our public schools. But you know, that's the way students are now. I mean, students for them, books are like vinyl records. It's a little bit outdated in some ways. So when you're living in a digital world for our students, um, and, and the other thing about digital resources, uh, textbooks as well, is that a lot of the resources that are in these uh, materials are not just printed materials. They are electronic materials. In the past with textbooks, you see insertions of CDs and things, but being able to access different types of things through the computer that go way beyond what a, a printed book may offer. So that's also, you know, enhancing the, the cost, but it's also some of the opportunities that are coming through as well. Uh, we've asked this question before, but it bears wearing it. Asking again, because a lot of people are still a little bit confused because some of our community colleges are called community colleges. Others are called technical schools. This is, as I understand, is more a case of a legacy name rather than a reality because almost all community colleges are being brought in their curriculum. Yeah, we're, we're all the same. And we offer the we may not all offer the same exact programs, but our curriculum are the same and our, you know, so, but we do sometimes have different local names. At Wake Tech, we, we just go by Wake Tech, Wake Tech Community College. Um, we keep the tech in the name um, as part of our heritage, our legacy. We were, we were technical schools before we were community colleges. Tech, you know, what that meant when we became community colleges is we began offering the first two years of a four-year program as part of a you know, the, what some might call the junior college part of it. And so all of us are community colleges. Uh, some have maintained the tech name like Wake Tech. Some have dropped that over the years. Some some don't even have the community college. Some just refer to as college. But oh. all of the 58 are community colleges offering the same types of programs, um, if not the same exact program. Well, that's that's an interesting change. Community are there any community colleges that have dormitories? As uh, you know, that's one of the high prices that students pay is housing and lodging and food. Do any of the community college systems in North Carolina have a dormitory? Not any of the community colleges. Um, there, you know, there is another ju private junior college, Lewisburg, which has, is residential, um, but not the public community colleges. We're all commuter based and. And do not, and they're not any that have dormitories. Now, what you are seeing though is we pay a lot of attention to housing because housing is one of the barriers for students uh, sometimes to stay in school. So, our college, also Durham Tech next door, we partnered in different ways, or we worked in different ways around affordable housing. So, uh, we gave some land back to the county for an affordable housing project. So that will allow for a third of the units in this facility to be able to go to Wake Tech students, students who are you know, working and going to Wake Tech but need other forms of housing. So we pay attention to housing. We're involved in some aspects of housing development to provide opportunities for students who really you know, struggle with some things. Durham Tech's uh, doing that as well. So, but we don't, we don't have dormitories. You mentioned junior colleges. Most of the junior colleges that I know of have converted themselves to a four-year program. And a lot of that is due to the fact that the community college system 
has taken some of that responsibility off of them, and uh, that's good. And yeah, uh, and, and in about half the states, community colleges offer four-year programs yeah. in certain areas. Uh, what's a little different for North Carolina it goes back to this, you know, what you talked about earlier, the connection between the four-year universities and the, and the two-year colleges, uh, community colleges in North Carolina. So I think where that has happened, you don't have the strength of connection that you see in North Carolina between our community colleges and our university system, as well as our private, you know, two-thirds of the private universities in North Carolina have articulated transfer routes to them. Our guest is Dr. Scott Rawls. He's the president of Wake Tech Community College, and we're talking about community colleges in North Carolina. We have two more segments coming up, and we invite you to join us for those, and we will begin the next right after we take time out for these messages. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party? You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Uh-oh, Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. <laughs> and now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart. Heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is, he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying, when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride. Love that guy. Me too. Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. <laughs> Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. We're delighted to have you with us, and we're delighted to welcome Dr. Scott Rawls, who is the fourth president of Wake Tech Community College, formerly served as the president of the North Carolina Community College System from 2008 to 2015. And uh, we're talking about the cost of education, and we're talking about all the wonderful things that community colleges across North Carolina, the 58 that exist are doing and how they are helping us in our growth. Uh, and we have a lot of growth going on. Uh, Scott, uh, let's talk a little bit about partnerships, because one of the things that I have observed that the community colleges, not only Wake Tech, but all of them are developing unique partnerships in a number of ways. You might want to talk a little bit about some that uh, as examples that Wake Tech is doing. I'll give you an example. So one of our goals at Wake Tech is to really help as many people as possible throughout our community, regardless of their circumstances, achieve economic opportunity, good jobs, economic mobility. And for some people, that means that you have to reach out into communities. Some 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 areas uh, in our communities, um, people is not the custom of having been able to go to to college or to even think that you could afford that. And so. We're working through a number of partners. We call them REACH partners at um, 
Great tech. Next week, we'll be at a national conference where one of our REACH partners will be joining us as an example of our partnership efforts, uh, the Boys and Girls Club. So that's a new partner for us in Wake County. Um, we have an embedded uh, full-time workforce outreach coordinator at our Boys and Girls Clubs in Wake County. And so she works with all the all the kids in the Boys and Girls Clubs that, at the teen center. She's based there, but across. And so, you know, I've loved seeing buses uh, from the Boys and Girls Club on our campus for different events, seeing different programs. And so we're reaching out through organizations like Boys and Girls Club, like Communities and Schools, which works with students in areas like they're in public housing and other areas, like Juntos, which works with Latino families. We're, we're very closely partnered with the public schools. We particularly have counselors embedded in some of our schools that are uh, have um, a higher percentage of free and reduced lunch to help more students see the opportunities that are available through Wake Tech. Um, certainly, you know, the partnerships that are we work on every day are our employer partnerships. Um, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not interacting with one, but typically more than one employer. And our employers are key partners with our community colleges because, you know, we're trying to hit their target. Our goal is for our students and our residents to have the opportunity to work in those places and earn salaries and be able to, to move up in careers. And that's why, you know, all of our programs have to have advisory committees with employers to tell us what we should do and what we should stop doing so that we're hitting those targets. So our employer partners, um, our community partners, and then we're, again, we're the middle child of education. Um, we're the, you know, we're that, that group in the middle between the public schools and the universities. So those are our other key partners is, you know, and I think, wait, I think community colleges are uniquely, you know, as I used to like to say, the seam and seamless education. Um, you'll see this in community colleges now and how many high school students go take community college courses while in high school. So our fastest growing areas right now, because there's so many opportunities, they can take those courses free of charge. So of our students, close to 4,000 of our students are high school students who are taking college courses. And we actually have four high schools partnerships, uh, two on our campuses for early colleges. And then on the university side, you know, so many of our students, their goal is to go to the university. And so we have to work to hit their targets to make sure our students, you know, can move forward without losing any credits. So community colleges to be successful have to be uber partners because of where we sit in education, where we sit with, with, with jobs, and because of our community role to make sure that edu education beyond high school is available to everyone, regardless of their economic or other circumstances. Let's talk about faculty, because as uh, uh, private businesses are looking for talent, they are probably become a competitor for uh, the uh, faculty because their faculty is well trained and so forth are you what are community college systems doing to maintain the faculty and bring in new and exciting new faculty and uh, how do you use ad hoc faculty yeah it, and that you know it's been a little bit of our achilles heel not the quality of our faculty we have amazing faculty uh, but our ability sometimes to attract and retain faculty because of what we pay we're notoriously um, not, not good in terms of pay for community colleges. 
And that's a challenge. In the, in the recent legislative session, there were efforts to help us with that more this time. So we had a, a decent year last year, went across the board for all faculty, unfortunately, but it, it did help in some of the areas where we were losing faculty the, the, the most. But it is the biggest challenge we face. It's also a challenge that comes with opportunity and growth because as companies expand and they're looking to hire uh, people with skills, whether they be nurses or electricians, as we talked about, or biopharma or whatever it may be, um, people have other opportunities where they can make a lot more money than they could teaching people to do the same things that they're you know, so what, what happens for us is, you know, when you can make a lot more money doing the job than you can teaching people how to do the job, then you run into some challenges. And we've run into those challenges at community colleges. And so, you know, we're making some steps. Sometimes they feel like baby steps, but we're trying, we're, we're making some steps. In our county this year, they're helping us a little bit by funding, um, you know, to allow us to create a minimum faculty salary because here, and in some of our communities, the housing prices have gone up so much that it's almost impossible for some of our faculty, given what they make, to live in our county. So something we have to stay attuned to and it's something that's going to have to, you know, we have to work towards year after year uh, because right now we're, we're kind of treading water, uh, particularly with inflation costs. How many hours is the average faculty member in the classroom, actually in the classroom, and how many t- courses per semester are whatever uh, system you have uh, or the, is the average faculty member involved in? Yeah, so, you know, it'll vary across different areas and different programs are taught differently depending on whether you're in a lab, a shop, or a classroom. But if you're thinking of it like a university or thinking of it where it's more of a classroom with lecture, then the average community college instructor is going to teach be in that classroom 15 to 18 credit hours so so five they're teaching five to six three-hour courses in general across um, most community colleges so about 18 hours about a little less than half fully in the classroom the other time they're um, preparing they're advising they are constantly my wife is a adjunct instructor not at wake tech but at Durham Tech and at a university, and she's on the out. I usually talk to her with her backs turned to me because she's on the computer all day long, and she's responding to students all the time. So it's designed that they would teach, you know, be working 40 hours a week. Sometimes, though, I, I know for them it feels like it's much more than 40 hours, but if it's classroom-based, it's about, you know, 18 hours uh, of teaching, which typically comes to about six six courses that they'd be teaching. They don't have research responsibilities. We don't do research at community colleges like at universities, but they have all the other responsibilities. You know, I, I had the privilege of serving on a, a university board of trustees for a number of years, and they were talking about great inflation. And I said, you know, I kind of disagree with that because uh, I think the thing that has happened that I noticed in dealing with the students is the top students were still top students, but the average students seem to be much higher by 2015 than the average student was back when I was in school in the dark age. Uh, are students just getting smarter? <laughs> um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I'd have to talk to some of our faculty on that, you know, and sometimes when we do worry about 
particularly with the challenges of COVID that students are having in that area. I do think students are certainly more sophisticated. Um, they are, there are certain challenges you have now that we didn't have in the past because the writing that you do now as a younger person is different than, you know, writing an email is different. You know, I, very few of us write long form letters and so with research papers. So I know that's a little more of a challenge in a world of Twitter and uh, and things of that sort. But I do think just students are pretty knowledgeable. And I'm always so impressed by our students at Wake Tech. And you know, one of the things that you see with a community college is students that we don't have a lot of entitlement at, at community colleges. I mean, we've got some pretty gritty, resilient people at our community colleges. They're here, you know, they're here with a purpose. Um, and many of them have overcome pretty significant or are overcoming significant challenges. You know, I, there's so many students we have and you talk to them and their stories of facing homelessness. I know one of our students I was with just recently who, you know, was, we, we wanted to speak to a group, but she was living in a hotel with her mom and having to help babysit some kids, you know, her sisters and brothers and so you know you just there are different challenges that different people have and our community college students tend to be very resilient um very um maybe worldly but not you know they're, they're not entitled and so i'm always so impressed by our students and their willingness to learn and i think at the end of the day that's probably what's more important than how smart you are by an IQ test or how much you've read going into something, but how willing you are to learn, how open you are to that, how you're not going to get knocked down when you fail at something. And that's what I find with our students at our community colleges is these are resilient people who are overcoming challenges because they face challenges. So they're, they're pretty eager and pretty strong learners because of that for the most part. What percentage, uh, and I guess this would be an average across the state, of your students are actually full-time community college students, and what percentage are people who are doing adult uh, continuing education or taking one or two courses? So if you look at our numbers, and I don't know how, it, you know, we're, we get close to about 30% in the high 20s to 30% that are full-time. Most of our students will be working while they're going to school. And a lot of times it's not because they want to, it's because they have to. So for many community college students, it will take them longer than two years to complete a two-year degree because instead of taking five classes a semester, they're taking three classes a semester and working 20, 40 hours at the same time. So that's, that's more common than it is unusual um, for most of our community college students. Now, on the college campuses, summer school enrollment is considerably lower than the fall or the spring. What about community colleges? Is your enrollment a little bit more consistent year-round? It's a little, it goes down a little bit in the summer, but it's certainly, and over the years, has become very consistent. We, we used to not be funded for summer school, and actually, we were able to accomplish that when I was system president. I, I'd always make the argument, you know, our students at community colleges, I mean, our average age is 27, or right now it's 26, but they're not looking to, you know, go off to Europe for the summer or work as lifeguards. They're, they're, work, they're looking to get into the jobs for which they came to the community college 
help prepare them. So, you know, they're not, for many of our students, they're not looking to take the summer off. They're looking to move forward and finish. And so our summer numbers, while not as high, are, are, are not as low as you might think and have grown over the years. Our guest is Dr. Scott Rawls. He's the president of Wake Tech Community College, where they have some 74,000 adults attending some six campuses, three training centers, multiple community sites, and a comprehensive array of online learning experiences. And that's one of the things we want to touch on in the next segment, the final segment, and that is distant learning, which uh, has both its challenges and its opportunities. We'll do that with Dr. Scott Rawls right after we take time out for these messages. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. It's what we were taught, trained, and told to do. It could be for anything. Helping a friend move. Listening to a fellow veteran for hours at any hour of the day. Or just simply making time for people. A neighbor, a loved one, or even a stranger. We're often the first to help others. There's no question about it. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When is the last time you reached out for help? Perhaps it's time to do for yourself what you would do for others. If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Talking to your kids about the dangers of vaping can be hard. Getting them to listen to hot gossip is easy. So here's some drama you could share with your kid. Dude, did you hear about Cassie and Jake? No, but did you hear that vaping can cause irreversible lung damage and nicotine affects brain development? <gasps> Nuh-uh. You don't need to gossip if you want to have an open conversation about vaping. So if you want to get tips on when and how to talk to your kids, visit talkaboutvaping.org. Brought to you by the American Lung Association and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers, and we're talking this week about education and the cost of education and, and how North Carolina is sort of the envy of the world with our community college system and also our university system. Um, a lot of states are looking at us and say, boy, you guys really know how to do it. And it's been a savior as far as how we have retrained the workers of North Carolina from being basically a cigarette manufacturing, uh, textile manufacturing, um, furniture manufacturing economy, and ag to the economy we have today and we enjoy. Um, Scott, one of the big differences, I think, between community colleges and uh, uh, the university systems is how they raise money. And so many of the, uh, 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 in fact, all of them have an endowment. Some of them are quite large um, and are always raising money from alumni. And they have alumni associations. Now, this is something that is more difficult with community colleges. But is there any effort to get into that area uh, more significantly and begin to build up an endowment that would help with the cost? Oh, yeah. Every community college has that effort. Um, right. Today was with our foundation board, which was meeting. And um, so fundraising is always something that we're doing. Um, it is a little more, it's a little different for us. It's a little more challenging as a community college. You know, our alumni 
at a community college often are alumni at a four-year university, which is the last place they go to. So alumni fundraising is more difficult. You can see it in the numbers for um, uh, in philanthropy. Um, you know, about approximately 40% of the college students in the United States go to community colleges, but only 1% of the philanthropy that goes to higher ed ends up at community colleges. So um, it is a challenge for us uh, relative to many universities. We don't have we don't have football games and fraternities and things like that that uh, cause people's hearts to beat, write checks sometimes. And, uh, you know, a lot of our strength is with the corporate community. Um, they, they realize the value of our workforce role. So for us, most of, our most of our fundraising comes from corporations who support us, not as much individuals uh, as it would at a university. But it's something that's very important for us because a lot of times it's the the sauce that helps us to do things that we couldn't do otherwise. And and we've got a lot of strong supporters like um, you know in the corporate world, Rick Hendrick, who you know supports our automotive program. I, I shouldn't start naming names. A guy named Mike Conlon in our community who has been support such a huge supporter of our programs and particularly entrepreneurship. Uh, you know, we just have so many different champions, uh, probably more more corporate-based fundraising than others. Um, but it's something that we wish we were better at or we wish we wish people would give more money to us because relative to the number of students um, that we have, we certainly don't raise nearly as much money as our four-year uh, colleagues. You mentioned athletics. Some community college systems do have some form of athletics. What about Wake Tech, and uh, how many of the community colleges do have an athletic program? Sure, we do so have far. athletics. We have about eight different teams. None of us have football. Um, you know, our, our programs are smaller. They're not, um, and, and for us, a lot of times it's just about the collegiality. It's something that, you know, students look for, particularly male students sometimes, but we have, you know, equal number of female and male programs. Um, and so we want students to, when they're at a community college, to have the same kind of experience they would have in a four-year college, but also for many, it's the same experience they'd have in high school to continue playing. Um, I'll tell you a, a unique thing about us at Wake Tech. So we have eight different teams, uh, male and female teams evenly split, uh, eight to 10, I'd have to add them up. But one of the, the area where we have won a national championship is eSports, where you want to national championship this year and last year esports is actually for us it's it's an intercollegiate team that competes against others so one of the unique things about our college is we are the uh, one of the only colleges if not the only college in the united states that has a game development degree full degree in game development because we are in a gaming hub but has also won a intercollegiate championship in esports we've actually won two so we're kind of proud of that. I guess 20 years ago, people began to look at distant learning and thinking it was going to solve an incredible number of problems. And I guess through the years, we've learned some good things about distant learning, and we've also found some limitations. About talking about how distant learning is occurring and uh, in particular how it's affecting community colleges. Well, certainly COVID was a milestone for distance learning because whether, you know, if you were a college, university or any type of school, 
all of a sudden you were 100 percent distance learning. So as we were going into COVID, college like ours and many other community colleges, about a third of the programs that we offered were um, or that were taken by students were distance. And the majority of our students took one or more distance classes. Now, they, they didn't take the majority of their classes distance for many of them. That was a smaller number, but they took one or more. Um, it is here. It is now going to, it is not, it's not by any means a fad. It's not going away. And COVID certainly moved that forward and made people more comfortable. One of the things it did is it helped accelerate all of us. Wake Tech um, and community colleges have been ahead of the game in distance education, primarily because we serve working adults who oftentimes need the convenience of distance education to complete their degrees. So for many years, community colleges have been forerunners in distance education. You don't see us advertising distance education as much as you do sometimes when you're driving up and down the highways where you'll see universities talking about their online programs. We've always had online programs. It's always been accessible. One of the things we saw at Wake Tech um, going back almost 10 years ago is we needed to be better, though, at online learning because we saw gaps. We saw learning gaps between students, um, different gaps between students who were less coming in less prepared and, and distance education was accentuating or accelerating those gaps. So we put a particular effort here. Uh, we made sure that every instructor was went through a pretty rigorous certification process to teach a distance course. And then we also, at Wake Tech, we require every student who takes distance education to take a course, a certification course, before they take that so that they're ready to, to, for distance education. And we put a ton of investment. And when COVID came along and we went from 30% distance ed to 100% in a one-week time period, those efforts were a godsend for us because our faculty were prepared and our students were prepared and we, we had to sprint harder in some ways, but it, it made a difference. And we really paid attention to how you accentuate distance education to remove those kinds of gaps that we saw. And so Wake Tech is a leader in distance ed. I'll brag about us. We were, we've been ranked by Newsweek two years in a row as one of the 150 best colleges and universities of any type in distance education. Uh, and that includes all the fully online colleges and universities. So we're very strong. You will see other strong leaders in North Carolina and the university sector. East Carolina University is a very strong distance education university. So uh, it's 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 a it's a way it's a way of the future. Now, what you will see though is that it is not going to replace all of education for many students particularly in some fields we see, math, science, distance education is you know, uh, not, a, not a way in which students look as much for um, their courses. And in some of our program areas, um, you would never want to hire a welder or an automotive mechanic or you know, many you know, uh, people, people who work in healthcare and others if they were totally through distance ed courses. So yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the jobs have to have a physical presence and the education has to have a physical presence and have labs and shops and tactile types of things that happen. Um, I'll tell you one thing that's interesting about us um, and where I am right now at our newest campus that we're building, but it, it's not distance education, but it's simulated workforce education. An area where our college is becoming a national leader is we are creating these simulated work environments 
public safety. I mean, we have on this campus that we're building a whole little town inside of a building that where we can, for public safety, can reenact uh, anything that could possibly happen in a, in a, in a hotel, a retail, a school. Um, we're building a biopharma simulated, um, like a, a mini biopharma uh, facility. We're building a simulated hospital, three, four simulated hospitals. So our goal, and it's a new form of education, it's a really unique workforce form of education. You're seeing other, this in other community colleges as well, is facilities that simulate what they'll find in the real world, uh, not just sometimes rooms or you know, small labs, but a whole facility, a whole floor. And for us, that's the way of the future for many of the jobs that we're training is simulation of the real world environment. God, you've got about two minutes left. How about talking about what you view as concerns uh, or targets for the next 12 months? What are the things that you're worried about? And uh, what are the things you're going to uh, give great focus to? Well, let me start with the focus part. What we're really focused on here at Wake Tech is we want to make sure that everybody has opportunity in our region. And we're really focused on what we do. Our North Star is about economic mobility. Um, it's educate, it's you know, education, higher education, but for the purpose of economic mobility. And that means we have to reach students more. We're going out in communities with partners, as we talked about before. We have to rally around them, as we say, and support them in different ways. Before in our college, you know, we had great advisors, but it was like urgent healthcare. You had to find the advisor. Now we have, for all of our, we have 13 career fields, and they all have advisors. It, um, it, it, we're, we're supporting our students differently. And then we're making our programs, as we like to say, ladder so they can grow. Um, students can move up career mobility. The big challenge we face, as we talked about earlier, we've got to expand it these areas where there are already jobs, these in engineering technology, healthcare, nursing, skilled trades. And for that, it means more instructors. And that's going to be a funding issue for us. And so my concern is, can we expand, hire people to train and fulfill the workforce needs and challenges that are out there right now? Well, that is an awesome uh, assignment and so important because as we said earlier, I think you mentioned twenty two thousand jobs in the in the triangle area only that need I was just talking about ten companies in a one hour yeah, yeah. period basis yeah. between Liberty and Holly Springs. Yeah. I mean triangle would be way more than Yeah, incredible. Our guest has been Dr. Scott Rawls, and we've talked about the cost of education and what the community college system is doing to help uh, bring down the cost and so forth. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinadeesmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. The program has been produced by Jason Kong. He promises me faithfully that he will have another interesting guest next week, and he always comes through. So till next week, same time, same station. Have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.